Patrice Bergeron retired yesterday. The truly great Boston Center. This show isn't daily shot of Bruins, so I'm not going to go on at length about that, but I do want to connect that to something that I felt upon hearing about Bergeron. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Everyone had a pretty good idea that when Bergeron was in that handshake line with the Florida Panthers, that that was it for him. He's had some injuries of late, not the kind that you necessarily want to persist through at a certain age. An exceptional career, an exceptional two-way player. Always feel like you have to say that with him, though, right? The two-way thing. Can't ever leave it out because he's not just the annual Selkie trophy winner as the best defensive forward. He's also popping 100 points at the other end. A legitimately complete player. First ballot Hall of Famer. And oh, by the way, a longtime teammate in the Olympics and friend in the summertime of Sidney Crosby. They trained together frequently. Being Sid made a public statement congratulating Bergeron on his career and acknowledging some of the stuff that I just mentioned about their being teammates and so forth. And man, there's something about that that hit me because I look at Sid and Bergeron as peers in every way. I know Bergeron's a couple of years older, but for the most part, they peaked at around the same time. They were going head to head at around the same time. And again, being on those Olympic teams at the same time, line mates too. I should say that as well, not just teammates, but line mates. And here's Sid waving goodbye. And yeah, you know what I'm going to say. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. Now, I don't know that Sid would even come within a solar system of agreeing with this. He saw the length of the contracts that both Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang signed. They're both set to be here until they're 40. Sid has never projected anything beyond the remaining couple of years on his contract. And that's probably a smart move on a lot of fronts. But do you see Sid as the type after a couple of years to say, eh, I'm just going to leave this to Gino and Tanger. You guys have fun without me. See you later. No, me neither. Me neither. But then I don't know. I also don't see Sid as being... As, as being a guy who'd be exceedingly comfortable playing through a visible decline. And when I say that, I'll first acknowledge that Sid has been eminently graceful about players passing him 
up, not just in the scoring list, but also in stature in terms of uh, stature is probably not the right word. Stature, you know, defines fame and whatever. I said still, and to my mind, top of the league as far as the face of the league is concerned, although you probably get some arguments about that in Washington. Now, he's come right out and said Connor McDavid is the class of the league. Um, he's had no issue with whenever someone comes along like Austin Matthews popping 60 goals or Nathan McKinnon carrying the avalanche to the Stanley Cup. Uh, he is that classy. He, again, is that guy who would put out the statement that he did yesterday. And he has no problem, you can tell, with his current place in the league. He's still one of, easily, the top 15, top 20 players. And he's still, it's probably worth noting here, the Penguins' best player. But we also haven't seen this dip that I'm describing because it's only hypothetical. Because Sid is still a point-of-game guy. Gino's still a point-of-game guy. Latang, when he was healthy last year, was still a very good number one defenseman. Might Sid react differently than either Gino or Latang to a dip? He might. He might. And more tangible than any of this that I'm bringing up, because this crossed my mind as well, how much longer until the Penguins have to make a move to sign him? I mean, they can say, and I believe them publicly, that they'd absolutely never want to see him play in another uniform. Sid can say the same thing and publicly, and I will believe them both. I do, in fact, believe them both on this. But at some point, you got to get it done, too. And you got to get it done in a way that works with reality while at the same time honoring Sid, who he is, what he's done, and what he can still do, but without just destroying your cap. And I don't mean Sid's portion of it. I mean other stuff for years to come. Lots there, huh? You see what I mean? It, it really didn't have anything to do with Bergeron. It was just that that whole scene on social between between Sid and, and the Bergeron retirement was just like you, you, you know. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shots brought to you by Family Table. Mom-inspired, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door. No prep, no mess, just reheat. That gives you more time for your family or hobbies. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. Use the code DK40, that's DK40, for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon Thursday for Monday delivery. Family Table, bringing families back to the dinner table. from Drew, who says, the Jeff Petrie discussion as it relates to Eric Carlson seems odd. Is Petrie going to waive his no-trade clause to play on the other side of the country? Drew, the correct answer here, I think the only answer here, is that we have no idea. Meaning, we have no idea what's already been broached, 
between Kyle Dubas, Petrie, his wife. And if you'll recall, if you know the specifics of this, it was Petrie's wife really that didn't want to be in Montreal anymore. And to an extent precipitated the Canadiens trading him. We do know that Dubas has met with Petrie, but we also know that Dubas has met with nearly all of these players over the summer. He's been flying all over creation, and he's done it to take the time to meet them face-to-face, whether they're signed for the long term or whether they're pending free agents. He did it with Jason Zucker before Zucker was allowed to walk. Would or could the no-trade clause have come up in such a dialogue? Sure, absolutely. Do we know that it did? No. So as we're sitting here to to draw an assumption that Petrie wouldn't want to be moved to another team or would refuse or whatever, we we just don't know. We just don't know. And you know what else we don't know about the Carlson's? Scenario, right. Pretty much everything. So within that environment, Drew, I think it's perfectly fair. As long as you're going to speculate, you might as well speculate. However, speaking only for myself here, the only contract that I could see the Penguins really feeling like they need to throw into that mix is... Mikhail Grandlin's the five million this year and next. That takes up a lot of the necessary match that's involved for Carlson's deal, which of course is twice Grandlin's size and longer. Now, if Petrie were to go to San Jose, you would have an almost exact match between the two. And San Jose, this kind of matters too, at least a little bit, as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, you don't want to be you know, completely embarrassed by the transaction as Mike Greer would if he's giving a way, way, way better player away and getting the same amount of cap hit exchange and only a couple of draft picks. There are ways that either side could sweeten the pot. For example, let's say that you're Greer and you say, okay, send me your Grandland. I'll deal with that. And I'll eat half of Carlson's salary this year and next, and we're pretty much even there from a cap swap standpoint, but you got to really, I I need some, you know, I need some picks. I need some prospects. Oh, wait, you don't have any prospects. Okay, so I need some more picks. Let's do that instead. And realistically, if you're Greer, the only way that the transaction can look even remotely palatable to your fan base, your existing players, to the people who matter on the inside in San Jose is to have a lot of future components to it because it's hard to judge future components. You have to wait a long time. So, again, we just don't know. I know that's exasperating. I know there's a lot of impatience regarding uh, this whole Carlson thing. But I'm going to say it again. I really see early August as a pseudo deadline for this because that is the second buyout window and the Penguins would be completely nuts to hold on to Granlund instead of buying him out or moving him in a deal like this and I have been told that 
their intention entering this summer was to buy out Grandland. We'll see. We'll see. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 